back, ladies and gentlemen. This is We Speak English Good podcast. Today on the show, we have the lovely and talented Nathan Hubbard. And on panel today is nobody. And I'm your co-host, Mikey P. And also your host, Mikey P. And yeah, that's it. Let's fucking do this. Oh, yes. I hope you guys enjoyed the new uh, theme song, which is not actually going to be the theme song. I will have the other theme song back, but that's just a little preview of a project, well, a track that I am doing with Tori T, and I think I'm going to pull Parker in. He already agreed to it. Parker, you already agreed to that, so you have to do it. <laughs> um, anyways, that's just a sample of everything uh, and things to come. As you guys can see, I have an empty panel, which is a first, actually. Um, Bentley Michaels podcast, I, I was just me and Bentley, and he was uh, on Skype, and, um, you know, that was weird, but it was still worked. Uh, today, we're doing a one-on-one, -on -one, and I think some people might drop in. I don't know. Anyways, moving on. Uh, when I realized that uh, I didn't think there was going to be a panel today... Um, I didn't panic, which usually I would because um, the panel is just an extension of my insecurities and it's uh, it served more as a crutch for me. So when there would be a law in the conversation, a lull, 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 uh, when there would be a lull in the conversation, I would uh, usually depend on my panel to jump in and say something stupid or talk about dicks or whatever. But um, tonight is not that case, which I understand. Uh, not everybody can just drop what they're doing and come on some ridiculous show and talk about their dicks. So it's okay. I forgive you people for not showing up, which it doesn't even matter. So anyways, we're moving on. Today's guest is Nathan Hubbard, as I said in the intro there. Um, he is a multi-instrumentalist. He is a drummer. I, I know he plays the vibraphones um, and probably a million other things, uh, a composer. And um, he has a new album coming out called Furiously, Furiously Dreaming, which I have written down here, but I tried to read the cover and it kind of... <laughs> but yeah, so but anyways, if you guys can see this, this is what it looks like. Um, this will be out. When's this coming out? May 20th, which when I release this podcast, <laughs> thank you, Nathan. Nathan is holding that up so people can see. Check that out. Go ahead and get that. And um, I think we're going to probably release this official podcast um, around more in that time. So it kind of helps in the promotion of that. But the live folks, you're going to see that. So um, Nathan, I, I was listening to his um, his. Um, huge catalog of music and it's it's awesome and beautiful and scary and fucking and, and it's great it's great so check that out just google nathan hubbard san diego i think he'll come right up anyways um i want to thank our sponsor freshly served javier over there at uh, freshlyserved.net go there be awesome urban riot gear uh, also obartscollective.com check out our new website it is up and it is popping and um that's it fucking let's bring on our guest nathan hubbard 
pun. Until the fake crowd cheers. Uh, oh, it's an extended. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was extended, then abruptly ended, which uh, how it is in real life. Oh, <laughs> Nathan Hubbard, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I appreciate you making the long trek from college oh, area. Come on, it's like ten minutes to get over. Fighting here. the traffic and <sighs> and um, all the madness of a California roadway. <laughs> Anyways, um, you uh, Parker, you know Parker, which I didn't really realize that you guys were in cahoots until after he came on. Yeah. Um, but you guys actually work together quite a bit, right? Or at least somewhat. We are working together more. Um, let's see. I think um, Shannon Perkins. Do you know Shannon Perkins? Sister Rez, who's a spoken word artist that I've worked with for many years. No, because I, I she introduced us. Um, I think she, I think he had come out. He had seen us play years ago. But um, Shannon's husband Chris does uh, Preacher versus Choir. Okay, and he and Parker came out. I did this sort of illegal parking structure uh, solo percussion gig. Oh, that sounds fun. That's uh, they're super fun kind. <laughs> I've only I've almost been busted once. Usually they're chill. So, anyways, <laughs> they came out and Parker um, saw this thing and said, "Hey, I've got this single and I want to do a video, kind of like what you did." So we ended up doing the Ape Foods video. That's where that came from. The idea of it, like just being in a parking structure, okay, like all of us just hanging out and playing. All right. So that was the start of that, and then from that we started talking about playing and doing this thing. And he's got um, a bunch of new tracks. And then some older stuff that we've been doing live, and I've basically been kind of taking taking those tracks and, and making live, uh, basically just tracks. So right now it's me, Harley Magsino on bass, who plays HM3 and plays around town a lot, and then Parker. Were you guys, because Parker sent over a track, which I played on his podcast that I released yesterday. Um, it was a live uh, a San Diego Tonight. Were you on that? Were you yeah. playing drums on that? Yeah, that okay. was me and Harley. I, I assume that, and I even said it on the show, so I'm glad I had it right. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because I so often just, I just, some for some reason, I'll just be like, uh, oh, yeah, that must be right. And then I'll just release it as, you know, reality. So I'm, I'm basically Fox News. I just make things up and then just fucking or any news outlet. So there you go. So I got this one right. Fuck you, Fox News. <laughs> Fuck you. That was actually our second performance. Oh, right on. Which was perfect because at that point we only had about three tunes worked out. Well, what I know is because it was you and then um, what was his name? Harley playing bass. Harley playing bass but then there was also like a backing track so it was yeah like that was sort of the concept was to keep it small enough that we could do gigs like not yeah. have six horns and like <laughs> you know two keyboards and three guitars and yeah. stuff like keep it as small as possible so the idea was to me me be sort of like half dj half drummer okay so like i'm um I'm doing the tracks and then I'm actually triggering the tracks and playing along with them. And sometimes there's just tracks playing sometimes. Most of the time I am um, triggering the tracks and playing live. So that was sort of the concept. But like, so that track, especially if you <laughs> listen to, to Parker's EP, it's totally different. Um, okay. Oh, because that song's on the EP. It's just... Uh, don't quote like, me on that, but I think so. I 
well, I, but well, it's I'm gonna actually like do, all of I, all I of don't those... think it is actually because I was looking for it on the EP okay. and I couldn't find it. So I don't think it's on the EP. But we do a bunch of those tracks, but they're they're completely redone. Okay. It's kind of like, um, maybe not a cover band, but uh, the idea of just completely reassessing what those tracks are and okay. doing. Um, uh, just different versions of them, sometimes okay. stretched out a little bit. Like we even do a version of Ape Food, and of course Piff and Odessa, we're not doing their their verses, so we just do like a little bit of a cut of it. Okay. For me, it's kind of like you know the Jay Z Unplugged, yeah, 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 where yeah he with does, the roots. Totally, where he does like little snippets of yeah, some of those songs. Yeah. So we do a little bit of that where he's got tracks that have different people on them that don't, you know those people aren't going to make it out live every right, time. Right. So we just do a snippet of that, and then we go into another thing. Um, but the idea. Was was to sort of uh, use my sort of production ideas to tie it all together in sort of a live thing. That's so right. we're still figuring it out, working together, trying to like, you know, throwing tracks back and forth. Um, like f- even, for example, that track, Some Way About It, we went through a couple different uh, uh, rough drafts of it. I remember the first thing I brought to him, he didn't like it all. <laughs> <laughs> Be picky. Picky Parker. Picky Parker. No, that was totally cool. And um so we went back, and I, I did a different version um, that's the version you hear now. Okay. So some of those things like were pretty easy to figure out. Oh, that's you. And then um, some of them, uh, you know, it's it's still a, a relationship that's sort of, you know, we're like we're on our like second date. Oh, that's you know, we're well, like it's, it's, we're still like oh you like oh you like that okay. okay you know it's not like not like you've been married for ten years and you're like yeah baby I know yeah, yeah okay. assume the position. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> that's just sad. Well, the song is cool. What do you get? What are you using the trigger? Like, what's a an iPhone? Oh, for real? <laughs> yeah. So what? So what? You just have like a you just push and play on a track and then going. Sometimes, sometimes I'm even using some different apps to trigger stuff. Oh, okay. It depends cool. on the track. So but most like, of that Ding. stuff, yeah, most of that stuff is like triggering, and then I'm running it through an earphone. Oh. Um, okay. Uh, what, can and you get specific on the apps? Because I like that oh, kind of like dorky shit. Um, a few of the apps I'm using, I use, um, if I'm triggering longer samples, I use Easy Beat Maker. Okay. Which is works better on the iPad than it does on the iPhone. Right. Um, if I'm using shorter samples, uh, the app called Triggler is really cool. Okay. No and that's like a... Um, pretty handy because it'll you can actually record straight from your phone. Okay. Or you can import audio to it like through dropbox or something yeah totally through your cable yeah totally um so you can like take audio files that you've messed with and EQ'd however you want um and then uh, i use yellow fire a lot which is a very similar thing where triggler you can record individual samples yellow fire does a, a long audio sample and you can use little snippets of it oh that's cool that's cool yeah um yeah, I I fucking love that. I, are you into like the all the apps and stuff? Like, cause like not me- as much as I should, but I. <laughs> it's funny. I have. Uh, I've been playing. Maybe we should play one of those tracks. I've been sure. playing with a bass player in L.A. named Stuart Liebig. Okay. And he's you know like this guy that's been investigating like pedals and effects and loopers for many many years. Oh, okay. And when we started playing. Um, we started playing duo and I'm, it was kind of racking my brain about what we were doing. And I realized like, okay, he's doing all these loops. I'm not much of a looper guy, but I do have all these, you know, I've been making all these loops and stuff and I would, you know, make them from, I've been doing a bit of circuit bending stuff. So I would sample my circuit bend instruments and use that as a starting point. So some of that was, um, 
the starting point of that, and he's been kind of kicking my ass. Like, I'll literally yeah. just, like, screenshot different um, parts of his phone, like, to figure out some of the apps he's oh, using. Yeah, 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 so cool. we've been throwing that back and forth, and we've been doing this interesting duo where it kind of sounds it sounds like way more people than it should because I'm running loops and playing with them, and I'm also running, like, field recordings and samples on another mm-hmm. phone. And he's running a stereo bass rig. Um, and running two iPads too. Oh, so he's triggering all this stuff and he's looping himself and he'll pan himself way over there. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he'll be playing over there, but that one's still going. And that, so we're creating this kind of multi-layer I love, shit. I love that. I love new technology. I love that it's affordable. Like, yeah, you know, definitely. if you have the iPad, um, if you have like an up-to-date iPad, they're pretty, it's pretty reliable. I've definitely run, because uh, I use my iPad 3, which is almost being, I don't even think they make these anymore. Yeah. Um, I'll run that as a MIDI fucking engine and then just run my controller through that. And I mean, there's been times on stage where it just totally took a shit out of me at like pivotal moments in the <laughs> fucking performance. That's pretty much true of any technology, right? right? It's always going to fail. <laughs> it just I know. Totally t- took a heaping pile of shit <laughs> on stage. Uh, but yeah, I love that. And I actually wanted to come back to, uh, yeah, that was actually for you. My oh, wife, cool. my, my, my wife came in and fucked up the whole show <laughs> just so you could have a bottle of water. So come th- on, it was fine. Thank you, honey. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, um, I just actually wanted to touch on circuit bending for a second because yeah, if people don't know what circuit bending is, it's where like um, an example of circuit bending is taking like maybe a little toy piano, a Fisher Price piano, and making that a actual synth engine and running it through stuff. Uh, I've seen people like make make bowls like ceramic bowls fucking midi controllers yeah uh, i might not be doing it justice i know like you can like sort of uh take different circuits out different synths and may expand on it and stuff um can you give us a little bit more um where you take it where sure. you take like circuit bending? i mean for me it's just about rerouting circuits so you take any battery powered source whether it's a casio keyboard or it's a little drum module most of the time i'm using um audio devices but you Mm -hmm. can totally do it with like battery powered toys and all sorts of stuff anything that has a circuit board and basically just finding out what happens when you reroute some of the circuits which can get really interesting some of the times it's really boring but some of the times it can get really really interesting so um, for me, and this actually started with my friend Rafter Roberts, uh, we would which get I together. Had, which I was going to ask you about because I noticed that he was mastering some of your albums. Yeah, I've played with him for years, yeah. um, starting Fuck right you. around. I remember um, uh, 10 Songs and Sweaty Magic. I, that was the time that I was Sweaty kind of. Sweaty Magic, That was kind yeah. of the time that I was starting to like, totally. get into that. And I was in San Diego by then. So yeah, started hearing about Rafter and fucking awesome musician. And anyways, please continue. I just wanted to interject there. Yeah, me and Ra- Rafter, we've known each other for years. I started playing with him um, right when he put uh, Animal Feelings out. Okay, cool. And we did a ton of touring for that record. And then um, since then, we've done a few things. Uh, the Quiet Storm record and the It's Reggae, the new dub reggae oh, record I, that he I put out. Oh, I did see that. I haven't heard any of those. I just had Sweaty Magic and Ten Songs. Yeah. I just had that. Someone burned me a ZD, so I was super familiar with that, and then just totally. Rafter's great because he does 
it, like he kind of militantly will do something totally different. Yeah. Once you get used to something, he's like, oh, now I'm going to do a right. And he I'm just released another record. thing, right? He just yeah. released another one that just is he's, crazy. Yeah, he's on this thing where he's trying to put out, or I'm trying, he will <laughs> put out <laughs> one record a month for 12 months. Oh, he's wow. He's trying to put 12 records out in a year. Wow, that's, that's insane. That's totally insane. He's actually this large ensemble thing he's singing on this oh tight there's like a bunch of people there's sort of a chorus and he's part of that oh that's fucking awesome so but we would get together um he he totally got into circuit bend and got me into it so we would get together and uh bend these different things um just reconnecting circuits seeing what happens seeing how they sound and then from there you have a lot of options uh in terms of how you want to um how you want them to react. Do you want to use switches? Do you want to use like uh, poles that you can actually make it sort of into a patch bay? There's all sorts of options. Um, it's really, you kind of have to have a vision in some ways about, first of all, about how the electricity is going, right. but then also about like, oh, okay, well, how am I going to make, th- how am I going to fit a switch into the body of this thing? And yeah. then also like, there's always, uh, for me, I always find myself thinking pretty A to B. Mm-hmm. A, B, C, you know, like yeah, yeah, linear. Yeah. And with uh, circuit bending, it's really interesting because you can get in these crazy things where, sorry, all <laughs> these different circuits, can you can feed them into each other. Right, and right. you get crazy things happening that you didn't normally expect. Right, I'm right. very much about like, okay, if we plug this point into that point, what's going to happen? And then you realize like, oh, we can plug all these points into each other at the same time. Right, because electricity like, will just flow wherever totally. you fucking... So there's all these interesting it. things and it completely... I mean, it definitely like pushes my sort of like ability to like comprehend. You can't even comprehend. It turns into right. Ghost in the Machine and all these things. And there's a sort of, as you get into it, there's a lot of people that are into circuit bending, I think, in sort of a spiritual aspect. They're like yeah. all about like, and a freedom aspect too, sort of an anarchist, like oh, taking yeah. back things instead of taking these man, mass manufactured things, you know, we can do what we want with right. them and make more interesting things from them. Which is... Man, people just make like, like sh- a cult out of anything, which is amazing. <laughs> and like, but there's yes, like indeed. some truth to it, you know. Like, it just there's truth to all of it. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, you want to hear that track? You said something about yeah, playing a little let's track play, and um, yeah. Do you have that cable? Yeah, right here. We're gonna make a noise, and it's gonna be hard on my speakers, but I don't care. Oh, look at that. Okay, let's play. This one's 10 minutes, but we'll just play a little bit of it. (laughs) Bear with us for 10 minutes. We'll be right back.
we can uh, we'll fade it there or something. But that's about half of the first track. That was Toke, Stuart Liebig, and myself. Which I want to be clear, that is not on the new album. That is the new album. You should buy that this one as well. This is the new album. You should buy that one. But uh, furiously, fuck, dreaming, furiously dreaming. I, I can see it now. I can see it. It, it just my eyes had to adjust. It's it's a uh, it's a uh, it induces psychedelic visions. Um, which, uh, which your music has a lot of like psychedelic, uh, feel to it, man. Um, I, I almost thought, I was almost thinking like, cause I was listening to some of your back catalog and I almost hear like a, the Eno ambience and then like fucking even bitches brew and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. but it doesn't sound like that, but I could hear how it could, uh, that could inform the music is, are yeah. those, uh, artists that. Inform. Well, I mean, Miles Davis, who hasn't been inspired by Miles Davis, but yeah, Bitches Brew definitely. in particular, is that an album that you fucking... Yeah, I love took? Bitches Brew. I mean, I I don't know if that's... Yeah, it's affected my music. I couldn't say exactly what record that maybe sounds like that, but I think I'm, in general, Miles, from you know the early stuff with Charlie Parker all yeah. the way up to Doobop or whatever, yeah. like every different era I'm a fan of and have studied and, and worked through. But yeah, there's a lot of people. Eno, I find interesting. I don't know his music as well as I should. Right. Well, I'm I'm talking but about it's like true, the like ambient, ambient music and true like in general. There's a lot of like um, just kind of sonic stuff that happens that I think maybe you could hear some of that or yeah, different people. Uh, clearly, a lot of that sonic stuff may be coming from kraut rock, mm. um, from maybe the the prettier end of music concrete some of the experimental electronics guys that are using um field recordings and things like that um the on the track that we we're just listening to what is the instrumentation there i know there's a lot it sounds sample based and it sounds okay. like you're just that's what's funny about that record that was cut live okay that fun. was a drummer and a bass player oh jesus <laughs> <laughs> right uh, that's what i was saying like you listen okay. to that stuff and people you know it doesn't sound because there's that that really slow moving high stuff yeah yeah, that's yeah. actually a recording of an oboe that I Paul stretched, which okay. is this like stretching program, right. and that's running from one phone. And then <laughs> the, there's a, a loop running from another phone, and then I'm playing along with it. And then also in the very beginning, there was a loop that Stuart was running, okay. and clearly he's playing. Right. And then you get to the point in the record where sometimes there's two basses, sometimes there's three basses because he's looping himself. Okay. And most of the time, there is some sort of electronic drum loop, and then me playing with it, sometimes in time with it, sometimes out of time with it, playing against it playing trying to double it so yeah there's a lot of sonic material yeah which is hilarious because there's only two people right in which you can do now i mean well shit i mean look at djs they just go out there fist pump and push buttons and which which yeah I, totally I, which i'm not going to talk too much shit on because it does take talent to like produce those tracks um so I'm not but like we were saying that. earlier technology is amazing where yeah, exactly. you can go on stage um where before, maybe even 10 years ago, you would need a whole rack mounted, right. you know, a whole rack of gear to make this stuff work and different things. And now you can do it with, you know. Yeah, with fucking iPad. With an iPad <laughs> or these different things, which, which is amazing. You it know? is amazing. And I'm sure like some of the old, old you know, guys who were actually out there spending their life savings on these material, like fucking motherfucker. 
And but you know what? There's nothing like the real thing, baby. You know, it's like oh, totally. those real those real synth engines and those real. Uh, I was literally talking my buddy Branson EJ, and we were talking on the phone today about the difference between because he just bought a Moog. Okay. And he's that's pretty much all he's been doing is spending time with this Moog, and he yeah. was like, you know, really down on the whole digital, some of the the digital synths, the virtual synths. Yeah. And how, you know, they don't even come close to the real thing. And this is a guy that's, I mean, I'm going to be 40 in a month. He's 23. And so he didn't grow up playing. You know, it's right. not like he had an ARP and a freaking, right. you know, a Pro 1 or something growing up. You right, know, right. he was a guy that came up With like this. post post MySpace. When we think about like generations post and stuff. <laughs> The post MySpace generation. Oh, shit, Can you imagine? Oh, think well, about the kids now. I mean, I've got a 10-year-old. Like... It's amazing what she's sort of, um, yeah, what she's experienced. I mean, I had to explain to her what a landline phone was. <laughs> like, we don't have a landline phone. Yeah, who does? Who does, Why? you know? Why? I mean, yeah, like, I had to explain to her what an answering machine is because she's never seen one. Wow, like, we don't have an answering machine. Who has strange. an answering machine these yeah. days? Yeah, and I have a two-year-old, so, like, what the fuck is that conversation going to be? It's like a, yeah. a phone you answered. I mean, there, we just have these <laughs> chips. I mean, you mean it wasn't always just chips implanted in, behind our ear that. Yeah, know, totally yeah. ridiculous how stuff's going. Um, yeah, ex- exponentially. And the, and the exponentially. generation thing, too, is really interesting. It's really interesting to talk. Sometimes it's a little disheartening, but I find it very interesting to talk to people of different generations about music. Because it's so splintered now. Yeah. I mean, you've got people making, I think there's a lot of people in San Diego making really cool music. Like, we were just talking about Rafter putting out 12 records. Yeah. That's totally cool. And there's tons <laughs> of stuff. I love going out, and I go see a, a ton of different stuff. Um, but, you know, it's interesting talking to different people how they interface with music. And everybody's got a totally different take on that now. Yeah, totally. Um, some people are literally just coming from this background of, like, you know, listening to MP3s on the computer. Some people are serious crate diggers. Everybody's got a different background, which can be super interesting. I, f- I, I have fun talking to people, trying to figure out where they're coming from and, like, um, you know, how, uh, how they sort of interface with music. How do you interface with music? <laughs> uh, <laughs> any way I can, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that I think that's I think that's like the most reasonable way to go about it because um for me personally, I love to dig through crates. I mean that's something I've done since I was a kid. Totally. Um but I also love Spotify and I love fucking like the discovery playlist and like I just learn about new music all the time. So much that I forget about this music that I really liked. That, then, that's really the hard thing these yeah. days, right? Because there is so much music out there. Yeah. How do you how do you listen to anything? Yeah. And I find myself <laughs> like I haven't even I haven't even done the Spotify thing. I'm not even going there yet. Okay. Okay. Because there's and I ha- I've had pretty in depth conversations with different people who have kind of chewed me out. Like you got to yeah. check this out. And I was just like, for example, okay, I'm a huge fan of uh, Bougie. Who's the drummer in Susie and the Banshees and the Creatures, right? Okay, okay. So at some point, uh, a few, maybe two, three years ago, I said, you know what? I'm going to go find every record Bougie's been on. Oh, shit. <laughs> Which in this day and age took me about 20 minutes. <laughs> You're right. Okay. Right? You're right, right. He was right before he joined Susie and the Banshees. He played on a record by the Slits okay. called Cut, which is a great record. And then I found all the Susie and the Banshee records and, you know, all these things. So I downloaded all this stuff. Now, the real problem is 
I gotta listen to it all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like 14 gigs of music. Oh my god! And I can say honestly, like I haven't even made it through a quarter of all that because mm. I have been working on these records and I've been really trying to like, you know, feel like I know that music and I've I've internalized it and I really before I go on to the next one and that takes a long time. Yeah, for like real. how many times have you listened? I don't know what a good record is. What's a record that everybody's heard? Everybody knows, like Justin Bieber. No, like <laughs> you're Zepp- talking about, like real, like music. Zeppelin Two or something. Okay, okay. What's okay. a record that everybody sort of has in their like conscious? You know, okay. like how many times have you heard of that record or right. whatever it is? You know, yeah, Catch yeah. a Fire or something. Okay, some some record that everybody's heard. You think about it. I, you know, we probably have listened to that one of those records. A hundred, two hundred, a thousand times. Right, right. I mean, it's been playing on every car stereo, you know. Yeah. So you think about that, and then you're presented with a new record. How many times do you need to record, listen to it to actually have it mean anything to you? Right. Yeah, it's totally. a totally strange thing. But yeah, but how do you do that with Spotify when there's <laughs> three hundred new records every day yeah. that you could be listening it's to? It's endless. It's endless. It. Like I was saying, like I'll find uh, an album that I really like, a band that I really, really fucking like, and I'll listen to the shit out of it, and then like I'll just forget about it because I found something else, and then I just I don't even ever remember that again. <laughs> and it's like if they just like it's lost to the ether, it's just goodbye, you know. And it, yeah. it, it's disposed. It it's disposable, which is sad because someone is really working hard on that, and it's just out there, and people are just gonna be like. Eh, whatever it's gone you know and, and i'm 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 totally guilty of doing that it's yeah whatever well there's i mean how much information can you take in yeah I, there's I, only so much i right? feel like i've I, i've been trying to take less information in and make better decisions about what like do i do i need to listen to that record and it's been hard like like we just moved so i had to move all my cds and all my vinyl and everything yeah. and i went through and i was like oh, do i <laughs> I got to be honest, I'm never going to listen to this yeah, again. Like, yeah. whoosh, you know, right. and like, you know, yeah. what do you get rid of? What do you keep? Even stuff that maybe you won't listen to ever again, but you keep it anyways. Yeah. Books are even worse. Oh, my God. Oh. I get, I get, they're, and they're heavy and just ridiculous. <laughs> so and my bad. wife is like, what are you going to just get rid of those fucking things? Like, you know, yeah. I'm like, but what about the when's the last? When's the last time you read that? Oh, yeah, exactly. 15 years ago. <laughs> Her rule is like, if you haven't used it in a year, then that fucking needs to go. And it took a long time because what I like to do is I like to have broken equipment that I swear I'm going to try to fix or get fixed because once it's fixed, it's a priceless piece of equipment. I have a fucking D6 just sitting riding away in the corner back there that will never be fucking fixed. Never. 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 And like I have all of the fucking shit I, I need to I fix. I am it. you. I am you. <laughs> God, bitches. Oh, God damn it. Technology for uh, yeah, I have this? every time I'm in the streets, I make the gun go. I don't know why I love it so much, <laughs> but I love it so much that I turned it into that. <laughs> that is amazing. Oh, so yeah, technology. Um, so I wanted to, I wanted to ask you, we started talking about a little bit before we got started here and, um, I mean, you released a fucking huge amount of material and, um, you, 
last year what was it last year you got the sdma for the what's the encinitas what's the full name of it uh encinitas and everything after two years ago 2014 two years ago yeah, okay he took home the sdma for it for five volume fucking um just a giant fucking mass of music yeah um and i was actually gonna tell you ask you like what the f- did that all just come to you like fucking like all at once or but you were saying that it's over 15 years yeah it took about 15 years well i didn't i didn't realize what i was doing when it started (laughs) i grew up in encinitas my parents met in encinitas my grandparents uh met well they didn't meet in encinitas but they're you know spent their lives in encinitas my great-grandparents moved to encinitas in the 20s so i've got this history there my grandfather started a business in 48 Mm. he'd been in this spot um right off Encinitas Boulevard since 52, you know. Okay, my, right. So there's all this history. And I grew up there. I went to San Diego. And so at some point I started writing pieces, like in the late 90s, that were about some of those places, like the uh, the botanical gardens. There's this little walled garden in there that I always used to love to go and just kind of chill. It was Aww. like it was like my chill spot. Ah, yeah, that's I'd nice. like sneak in because you can't afford it because it's too... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, should I say that? Oh, Anyways, I don't think and the then, botanical gardens is keeping track or, or like, listening. Or like, you know, uh, behind my father, there's a canyon behind, maybe like half a mile behind my father's house. So we used to go hike. Yeah. And it was, you know, when I was a kid, we used to ride our bikes down there and there was these abandoned cars and yeah. we'd like, you know, it was, it was when PE came out, right? So oh. we like stripped parts off and we had like car parts because we couldn't afford the like, you know, yeah. the clocks and shit. This is where we were. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, I have this history with these spots and um, all these different things. So I started writing pieces sort of about that, about Lou, Ruth Larrabee, who was the woman that gave the city the um, the land for botanical gardens or, you know, just about like standing on the edge of the cliffs, whatever, the, all these thoughts. And you start thinking about like, you know, w- would it be different if I grew up in Iowa or if I grew up in Japan mm. or these different things? And how does... Um, your surroundings influence you and then also you start thinking about hometown things and watching a town change so there's all these backgrounds so i started writing music and i wrote some more music and then you know my great grandparents um my great grandmother was a painter and she has all these paintings and i had written a bunch of pieces sort of based off these paintings so that whole thing came together and i thought at some point i thought oh you know i might have enough material for like a record yeah maybe i should put this out and i i had a couple different ideas i think originally i wanted to do like like a San, I was going to call it the San Diego cycle or something. Okay. And I was going to do it about San Diego and the yeah, missions yeah. and all this shit. And I realized like, nah, that's way too broad. I need to like, need <laughs> I, to delve, that, need to delve that's it like down. 20 albums. Yeah, I that's like 20 albums. It's going to be five albums. Well, at this point it was like, you know, 40 minutes worth of music. And okay. I, so I would record stuff and I thought, you know what? I realized at some point, like I could work on this for my entire life. I could just keep working on it and never release it. Yeah. So I would record stuff, and I said, well, I'm not quite ready to put it out, but I'm going to record these tracks because I don't know if this band's going to be together in a year. And like even Skeleton Key, the, the large ensemble, when we recorded that first record, we recorded a couple of those tracks, and it wasn't those tracks weren't on that record. I just sat on them. Oh, okay. And then I would have this band that played for two years, and uh, some of the studio stuff we did were these tracks that I didn't use for whatever record. All right. So these kind of accumulated and accumulated I told my wife I'd have it out by the time I was 30. That didn't happen at all. <laughs> we moved to Arizona. My wife got a job, and we moved out to Arizona with the kids. And I said, you know what? I don't know if I'm coming back. I don't know what's going on, but this might be the time to to finish up. Yeah. And I sort of – and I was thinking, okay, 
it started, okay, maybe I've got a CD. And then I said, well, maybe it's a double CD. <laughs> and I thought, you know, it'd be cool to do a book with like maps and yeah. pictures. <laughs> and I'll have like some pockets in the back and I'll just put the discs in. It could oh, be like four discs, yeah, like three yeah, discs yeah. or something. It'll be a book. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I'm not going to do that. Fuck that. That's way too expensive. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. So then I kept doing this. And I, so when we moved to Arizona, I sort of added everything up. And I realized, like, you know what? That piece, I'm, I'm really stretching to put that piece should not be on this. And then I realized, well, you know what? This piece does need to be on this. And I have a recording of that. And I need to finish the recording. And I realized I had, you know, like a, maybe a year's worth of work. So every time I would come back, I was coming back to do gigs with Rafter. I oh. had different gigs out here. So I'd come out from Phoenix and I'd bring my computer and I'd, you know, set up shop for a day and record some people or, you know, okay. me and my buddy Dave Golia spent uh, a night. We got a six pack of beer and sat in my truck next to the uh, the train tracks in Encinitas and recorded oh. trains. <laughs> All right. So the train at the very beginning of Los Batiquitos is actually really a recording. It's like oh, a full right. stereo recording of this train going by in Encinitas. It took us... Maybe three hours to get the right recording. <laughs> three <laughs> totally hours, just in. sitting in a car. Six, I mean, six packs. We were nah, no, no, no. But Not we, bad. I mean, we were talking, and actually, he was helping me produce the record. So we were talking about layouts and lineups and stuff. And I, I sort of had this thing. I was originally, I was just going to put it out as a huge, like, as a USB stick. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. okay, that's cool. Yeah. And then I was like, man, it's like five hours. If somebody handed you a USB stick with five hours of music, what would you do? Yeah, I'd be like, I don't know. I'd be like, <laughs> like yeah, let's go back and listen to the Beatles. Like, <laughs> fuck that. I just well, put it over there. I mean, it, it would kind of, yeah, exactly. So I thought, okay, if anybody's going to even remotely be able to, like, access this, I'm going to have to split it off. And I realized, like, okay, there's a bunch of these tracks that are, like, smaller um, you know, uh, they're kind of like jazz bands. There's two horns and a rhythm section, or maybe there's one horn and yeah. a rhythm section. That's volume one. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And then I realized there was a bunch of tracks that had like drums, two basses, a bunch of horns, maybe two guitars, two pianos, and and that all kind of fit together. And actually, most of those pieces were about the waterways. They're about San Diego River. They were about the San Marcos watershed. They were about you know, the Pacific Ocean, whatever. Hey, there's volume two. Okay. <laughs> it actually started, it was kind of amazing how it all came together because I didn't really plan it at all. The third record kind of turned into uh, pieces with vocals and then also stuff that was a little bit more chamber ensemble, not so much drums, kind of almost like a more classical thing. The fourth one used a lot more electronics, a lot more field recordings, much more noisy stuff. And then the fifth one, um, there's a couple different things that build that together. So that was the idea. And then, you know, you can have, like, I even sell them. I have them all as physicals, and I just bound them all together, and you can buy, like, all five copies. Oh, that's cool. Nice. So that, that was how that came together. It took a long time, and then I realized, like, well, if I'm going to put this out, I need to, like, it's such a ridiculous project. <laughs> I should have some of this music performed. So we actually did, like, every month for five months, we did release parties. Okay. And had, and put together a band. I mean, it was a challenge because each CD, every track on the CD was a different band. Oh, shit. But so I'd put together a band that could kind of cover, I think we played almost everything from all the records. There's maybe two tracks that didn't get played over the five months. Wow. That's, um, that's pretty intense. It was yeah. totally that's insane. Like, that's like such an undertaking. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like when I, when I look at that, it's like how <laughs> an author must look at like this huge book that they've been working on like i mean i it just it takes me a fucking month just to do one song so just to think um well no it does for me too it takes me years i mean i um 
like these recordings, these large ensemble recordings took years yeah. of me writing and rewriting. And then we'd have a gig and we'd play the music and I'd record the gig and I'd go back. No, 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 no. And I have like, uh, you know, manila envelopes of pages where I've rewritten. Yeah. I'm not like a, you know, you see that Mozart movie where he's just writing <laughs> that shit out of his head and it's yeah. perfect the first time. That is not me. Like I'd spend a lot of time rewriting and stuff changes when you play it live. I mean, I'm a... I'm not a guy that just writes stuff and says, no, 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 play it like that. Yeah. You know, I'm sort of halfway between like more of a rock band where we're all working on it together. Uh-huh. But I still have like a fairly, uh, f- I have a firm idea of what's going to happen. I, I try and be malleable to like, okay, this is not possible. Or, hey, this really doesn't work. Or what if we switch these two things? Yeah, you act kind of as a director. Totally. And, and, and often I, I found people will give me better ideas than I had because yeah, they'll approach I, it fresh and I'm totally overthinking oh, it. Totally, and man, totally. Totally overthinking it. Yeah, I'll, that's kind of how I work too. Like I'll record my own version of the song and then when me and Raina, my wife, just met, when we go out to perform it, it kind of takes changes and like... It yeah. totally changes. Because I will be like, I'll be like, okay... This is the skeleton. This is the sketch. I'll do whatever you kind of want. I want it to be this feel, but like, you know, kind of take it on and, you know, be f- have fun with it. Definitely. And then by the end of it, I got like all these different parts. And then when it goes to re-record, I'll totally incorporate all that stuff. So I get where you're coming from, but I feel like you're doing it on a much larger <laughs> scale because I... Uh, so you... um. I mean, you transcribe this stuff and fucking use Sibelius and all that shit. Actually, I don't. Everything's by hand. Oh, God damn. (laughs) And and out comes the manila envelope. (sighs) I have so many of these envelopes. (laughs) Like, okay, so we're doing, this album's coming out, right? That one. That one. Get that. The problem with this, well, it's not a problem, but this, this record, there's like... I counted there's 49 people on the record. Oh, yeah. Th- this postcard here is intense, man. That's not even everybody that's on the record. He's like, that that's the band. I'm like, oh, for Christ's sakes, man. <laughs> how do you so even clearly, do that? <laughs> yeah, how do you put on a gig where you play this music? Yeah. We're going to do one May 21st. May Bread 20. and Salt, right? What's I Bread mean, and Salt? I, I've never. Bread and Salt's a performance space in Barrio. Oh, okay, okay. Um, That's where you did the other ones, right? Weren't you performing there too with uh, your other? I uh, no, releases? we actually did at the Dallas. But Omar okay. used to do the bar uh, symposium at the bar at the bar at, Bren at Salt. the Brenza. Okay, and they do a lot of different. Bonnie Wright does her Fresh Sound series there. Okay. The Volsalta people are doing a lot of stuff there, and it's a art gallery, um, and they have different artists on. But uh, this goes back to the beginning of this band. The, the first incarnation of this band was 22 people. And where is there a stage in San Diego other than like Copley right. or, um, you know, some giant venue that I'm not going to be able to get into where you can right. put 22 people on? Exactly. <laughs> there isn't. There right. isn't. And I banged my head against that wall for, you know, almost 10 years trying to like make this band work. And we played some big, I mean, we played the Ensenada Jazz Festival, which was great. And we played you know, these different spaces and we somehow fit into Dizzy's Chuck Perrin, like 
bless the man because he put up with the fact you know there's you know 20 people up on stage so you guys were just was he just miking like overhead and, there was or, no mic i mean oh it was just i think maybe in some of those performances there was mics on the strings but most mm. of the time this was very much an acoustic thing i mean oh, even man. this performance in may There'll be bass amps. There will be uh, mics for the vocalists, but uh, pretty much it'll be acoustic. But um, so, anyways, I've got this record out. We're gonna do one big concert, but it would be nice to play this music a couple more times. So what I've been doing is taking, like I've just finished a couple of these things. Like this is one. Speaking of handwriting and stuff, but this is like a little piece of one of the larger pieces that I've sort of condensed down and said, okay, we're going to do this gig with uh, myself, Harley Magasino, and Ed Kornhauser are doing a gig in two weeks, and we're going to play this. So this is just like... I just I want I just want I'm very impressed on how beautifully written and transcribed this is. <laughs> it took years, believe it, me. When I do this, it takes me about fucking three months to get like two lines. It took years, and yeah. it looks like my son, uh, who is two, um, wrote it. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take it to the camera just for anyone who's interested. Look how beautiful that is. <laughs> that is. Very neatly written. <laughs> Very dainty. <laughs> totally. So that's sort of the idea, is to do a couple concerts uh, with a smaller ensemble so we can play this music and, and uh, get some of this music out there. Because, you know, that band's never going to go on tour. There's, <laughs> yeah, how do you unless do? somebody decides to put up a bunch of money. Yeah, uh, I mean, fun, there's a few people in this world that I've seen do it. Vinnie Golia in L.A. had his, and he's got a bigger band than this and he put them on tour i never asked him how he managed to to finance that <laughs> and then there's a couple people on the east coast that um like john hollenbach's been able to do that okay. um but it's a hard thing yeah you know totally. especially if you don't have any sort of backing you know how are you going to get a bus where are you going to find these yeah. venues yeah, how are you going to get 20 people with families and <laughs> to schedules? Like go out for a week and it's like, bye, honey, music. and family. I'm going to go out and do this. Um, it's bad enough. I mean, just one night trying to get people and saying, like, listen, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get you all paid, but there's also, like, 25 people on this gig. <laughs> so, like, understand that we're not going to make a lot of money. Yeah, we're not, we're not going for fucking the bucks. We're going for the, the I, I think most of the people that get involved with a project like this are there for the music. Like, for example, um, two of my oldest friends, Ward Baxter and Lee Elderton, we, we played together in the 90s. We had a quartet together called Return to One. They're both coming down from Portland just nice. to do this gig. That's wonderful. You know, people are, like, going it's out of their nice. way to do that. And I, I'm kind of... Sh uh, yeah, I'm super thankful, but I'm also just shocked that it's happening. Because, you know... <laughs> pull this shit together. Well, yeah. I, you know, and that people, like, you know, enjoy the music enough or enjoy playing with me enough. Um, yeah, it's kind of amazing. When you... Um, now, when you get to the, like, more... Because, like, that track that you sent me uh, that I listened to, yeah. I listened to all of it, by the way, which gets pretty crazy. I mean, it shifts so dramatically... Do you guys, when you're performing these things, are you uh, going to be doing all the sounds and the samples and stuff and triggering all that? And plus there's like somebody doing poetry and shit. <laughs> Actually, Roger is Roger's going to be in town and he's going to read, maybe not express, uh, 
not specifically that piece, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. And who's I mean, that guy? Uh, Roger Aplon. Okay. He's a great poet that was in Chicago for many years, and he's right. living in New York now. He was in San Diego for many years. Cool. Um, yeah, he's really great, and I've worked with him a lot. Uh, he has a new book, and he's putting out... Um, sorry, I'm digging for my calendar. That's okay. It's, uh, <laughs> yes, April 22nd, 2016. Roger Aplon will be at the Ink Spot in Liberty Station at 7.30. He's going to be reading from his new book. I believe I'm playing with him. He's got this really interesting book where he wrote poetry, um, all, he wrote poetry to music. Oh, okay. So, and he lists like what he's listening to. And sometimes it's San Diego based, uh, music. Some of it's, um, like Steve Reich or Charles Mingus or things like that. Um, but live, yeah, I try and, um, sometimes there's some stuff on the record definitely that happens maybe that's not possible and that was kind of the idea because normally when you get into a a group as big as this you just kind of like we got some mics up and this is the way the band sounds it's not you know like if you have a pop pop band or like a uh you know whatever kind of band there's always a little bit of interesting stuff you can do in the studio you can tweak sounds and make things sounds normally people aren't that interested in that for me it's always been like that like there's one um uh, what's the track? The fourth track on the first disc in the new record where I took the entire band and ran it out through this tiny little, like, blown-out speaker. Oh, shit. So it sounds like, you know, and mic'd it way far off, so it sounds like, you know, a distant thing. Right. Normally you wouldn't do that. You're trying to get, you're just trying to get this hi-fi <laughs> thing, but for that moment in that piece, it was perfect. Yeah. It was just kind of this, like, it needed this lo-fi sound, and it needed to get away from that fullness. So um, those things aren't totally possible, but in terms of samples and all that, yeah, there's people doing electronics um tensions on this record mm-hmm. there's different people like that playing um some of the times i'm triggering samples as well as conducting and are you using phones and stuff again or are you using ableton uh, you know i haven't even go- oh, <laughs> I, haven't shit. S- I i need to sit down and figure that out actually i haven't been thinking about you know, that it's only a month away <sighs> I'm sorry, I, I don't need to remind you. No, I know. I mean, back in the, like, one of the things I did was back in the day um, was I would take recordings of our performances and find really, in parts that I found really interesting, mm. cut them up and give the electronic people CDs of them so they could process them. Oh, so I would right give on. them audio of the band and they would be playing things. Ah, and th- there's a lot of different, you know, Evan Parker, the British improviser, has been doing this for years. But so there's a lot of that, even on the track Furious Dreaming, um, where the band uh, sort of trades fours with the electronics. You hear the live band playing and then all of a sudden you hear all these electronics. The electronics are just uh, manipulated samples of the band. Oh. Okay. Right. So there's all sorts of strange, different ways of working. Some of it works in the studio. Most of it, I think, is possible live. Nice. Maybe not the part at the end, like where tension soloing and all the horns are in reverse. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now everyone, just play in reverse. Go. (laughs) They're sucking. They're trying to suck the. If I remember correctly, the bass line goes in reverse, and then all the horns go in reverse too. That's one of my favorite parts of the record. Should we play that? Sure, why not? Let's fucking play some stuff. Um, man, let's deep into this track. Maybe we should play... Um, We're trying to figure stuff out here, baby. I don't know what to play. <laughs> okay, here's the, here's the title track. We'll play the first couple minutes. Sure, let's do it. Oh, 
I hate to pause it, but okay. So what you've been hearing is all live. We're gonna skip ahead a little bit, and I'll play a little studio studio trickery. Um, yeah. I, I, so like when you're um, for this, for instance, when you're saying that you kind of like give some of the creative uh, process to the band. Is that a case of that, or is that like <laughs> what really you just trans- heard? Yeah, like because that a lot was of dissonance, and there's yeah, a lot there of, is. Uh, what the type of stuff that reminds me of Bitches Brew, by the way? That's like the kind because like you have some other stuff where it's not exactly that, but you know it has that like dissonant, totally sort of free flowing. That part in particular um, was almost entirely notated. There are parts wow. where. Uh, for example, the, all the trombones go bum, 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 and then they they all go and um, continue on with their line, and they come back and stuff. Well, what's happening? And uh, it sounds a little chaotic, but there's the woodwind section, the brass, I think upper brass and lower brass, and then strings and percussion. So there's five different sections, and all of them are playing material that doesn't exactly line up. In fact, doesn't line up at all. They're all playing what I like. I guess I could call it antiphonal music and uh when you hear them shift i'm actually giving like a a finger like we're moving on to section two so for example in section one all the saxes go and the drums go and but it doesn't always line up it's not like you're listening to a rock record where everything's like junk 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 so that's kind of an interesting moment because you're hearing all these things that that are lining up all the sax players are playing together and the drummers are playing together and but they're all not lining up with each other and then you transcribe you like write it like that yeah And some of this stuff uses some pretty kind of far-reaching uh, notation. Sometimes I, I have some. I'll, I'll play this other band. I have some of the stuff I don't even. I've spent all this time to trying to figure out how to write it because uh, yeah. I know how it sounds. Yeah. And uh, I actually I was just down in um, oh, uh, in IB last week, and I was talking to some high school kids about this. Like sometimes, you know. Uh, for me, it's about the sound first, not the, like, I'm not writing it, I'm hearing it, and then I'm trying to write it. But, like, sometimes I don't know how to write it, because yeah, it's totally messed I up. I can't, like, <laughs> when, you're, when you're explaining to me, like, <coughs> these parts, they're playing it off, like, I, I can't even wrap my head around that. Which, well, it's, it's very uh, conversational. It's like if three people got in and... It um, was like Parker's podcast. It's like last week. I was actually <laughs> just going to say that. If it's a bunch of people, and maybe like being respectful of each other and the fact that they're not like dominating, but yeah. three people that are kind of talking over each other, um, it kind of pushes, uh, for me, it pushes the, like how much information can you take in? Mm. Like how many people can you listen to talking and still hear all of them? Yeah, that's fucking fascinating. I don't know how, how many it is, but <laughs> it, I have noticed that people get freaked out about this band. Because when you get that many people, especially that many people in a room, is a really beautiful, amazing thing, that kind of sonic thing. But when people get, uh, when things get a little dissonant or it gets just too dense, yeah, there's like a, a I think people have like a density meter, yeah. <laughs> and it just goes, we're in the red, motherfucker, we're, we're in the red, we're... somebody stop playing. <laughs> Um, and I, I totally understand Where's that. the four on the floor? <laughs> totally. I mean, rhythm is, is definitely true. People like rhythmic dissonance and like people want like a steady rhythm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's why techno is way more popular than drum and bass. Yeah, well, yeah, people yeah. love a steady rhythm, which is totally fine. And there's plenty of steady rhythm on this as well. There's also like moments where everything's playing. Let me try. I'm not sure where we're going to start.
obvious to hear the drum machine right there. turn andrew off that was the trumpet solo was Derek cannon the barry solo right there was uh, andrew pask from la um but there you hear like it's kind of interesting because you hear there's a drum there's like a drum machine hi-hat yeah there's those congas yeah which is like me playing that part three or four times run through a four track so it's all crunchy okay and then the drums are my buddy nate atwood okay and there's a bass line which is bass a, sometimes bass trombone and sometimes cello. So you've got all these people doubling this bass line. Yeah. And then you also hear, like, when people come in and out, that's me on the mixing board. Okay. I mean, I can do it live, but for there, we actually did it in sort of a dub take where, okay. like, dropping faders down, right, dropping right. faders up. Like, that's, that's totally so old school. It's man. totally normal when you, like, listen to, like, you know, a Scratch Perry track, yeah. but nobody does that in a large ensemble setting where you're like yeah, oh let's pull the 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 tack piano and the clarinet out right there oh cool let's drop the drum kit out right and, there but they're but they're still playing live yeah i mean it's just a recording so it's me and oh, okay, uh, okay. after the fact right right like, okay, you can so do this live back. yeah totally you can do this live you could just cut them out and bring them back right, in and right. stuff but I, I, how this was done was actually doing it after the fact on a mixing board which is super interesting uh, yeah, for me that's kind of interesting like how to bring those different technologies like i love putting people in a room together but then like we were saying like with all this technology now why not use it how can, you know how to like on just a simple fact how does a large on like a sort of whatever you want to call this free jazz large ensemble meet with drum machines yeah does that happen ever right and maybe and, yeah especially if you're just like if it's just a free rhythm that's not really going then all of a sudden because that drum that drum beat comes in it kind of starts tying shit together because it's it totally sort of, does you're you're sort of just lost in this texture and then all of a sudden it brings it home yeah and that that's it's interesting and and now when you are recording and um you're recording this all at once. We'll I see that. Okay, what we just listened to is really interesting. That okay. very first thing we listened to was completely live. Okay. What we just cut in on was the bossa nova with the trumpet solo. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was live with a few overdubs. Uh-huh. There was an organ bass and uh, some of the percussion, the quijada and stuff. Some of that stuff was overdubbed. When it dropped into that berry solo. Okay. I'm going to shake my shoulder and say that was an okay engineering because that was me. But that was a total edit. We went straight into something that was completely overdubbed. Yeah. That, got, that started with a drum machine and me playing congas, and I layered in everything from there. The, and it's, that live section sounds pretty dry. Is, did you keep it pretty dry, or, or is you adding a little reverb at all? I mean, like, it sounds... I'm not a... He- there are, there's a few moments on the record where there's little reverb. We recorded in... Actually, in this room. This is where we recorded the uh-huh. live stuff. And where's which this? Which is... Uh, I'm not gonna say. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you! That's beautiful. I love that. It's a pretty dry room, uh-huh. and we recorded live to 24 track. Okay. Yeah, 24 track. And, and digitally. Yeah, digitally. Okay. And um, some of the stuff was recorded uh, to a click with me conducting, no mm-hmm. headphones, but except for me. And then almost every uh, that was like maybe you know, an eighth of what got recorded. There was a lot, uh, most of the stuff was recorded live. There was a few things that were recorded over a click so that I could uh, manipulate them later. Okay. Um, but it, it's a pretty dry room. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of reverb. Um, well, I mean, I when I say dry, I'm saying like without any kind of alteration, no no like delays or anything like that. 
it didn't have to be just reverb. Yeah, occasionally, this, if I'm going to go for that kind of coloration, it's usually a soloist, mm-hmm. and it's a soloist choice. Like if somebody wants to use, like in the very beginning of the track I sent you in Furiously Dreaming, you hear Jason Robinson playing tenor, mm-hmm. and he's playing it through a Line 6 pod, and he's getting okay. a ton of delay and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you hear all those like multiple slaps so coming from that. So but it's more of his choice mm-hmm. in terms of like... This kind of ensemble, I, most of the music I'm writing isn't really set up around that. Maybe certain things were, like I was saying, in terms of making it lo-fi, a little bit crunchy. There's a couple um, string backgrounds in one of the tracks that I completely tweaked to make it sound like an old Victrola or like one of those old 78s yeah, and nice. stuff. But in terms of like delays and things like that, I usually leave that up to a soloist if he wants to use something like that. That's cool. I like that. I like that uh, that dry uh, that dry effect. I mean, it, it really puts you in that spot too. You yeah. Know? Too much of that, it's easy to, there's so much sound to begin with. It's like the real challenge of recording this stuff is getting it so you can hear everything. Yeah. I mean, this recording, there's, I'm looking at this postcard, there's there's six saxophones, there's two trumpets, French horn, uh, two trombones, bass trombone and tuba, two bass players, drums, cello, two guitars, and piano. Oh, fuck, dude. And then later on, a few other things got added to that. Okay. And it's how, like, how do you get that mixed where you can hear everything? And then so... Or if, is that even possible? Were you uh, were now? Do you do the mixing yourself? Yeah, I do. Okay, and well, yeah, you just said that you did some, and you were saying you were doing some live mixing, not like live, but like you were actually controlling it, like like, like how dark mix. side, dark side of the moon. You know how they're doing those different parts. They're dropping in the the whole band. It's like it's like it's a performance on its own. Totally. Which some of this stuff was. Mo- I'm pretty sure if we got in a room, we could play the whole record mm-hmm. as it was. But with uh, my limited budget and how much time I had with the band, there were some things we just didn't get to that got recorded later. Uh, so a yeah. lot of it was just like, how do I make this happen by any way I can? Yeah, so there's a I fair know. amount of edits. Yeah. And, and also, when you have a 26-minute track or a 30-minute track expecting to get one solid take the whole way through yeah. is complete insanity. So so we would do the first we would do the first 3 sections the first 10 minutes and okay. then I would just okay that was good. We're going to do an edit right here. Cool. Take a breather, you know, you make trumpet players play, you know, for too long they're going to get pissed at you. <laughs> um you do another and eh, that one kind of sucked. Let's do another take of that section, you know, piece it together later. Okay. Yeah, it's a okay. challenge. It's a it's an yeah, interesting process crazy. to make it work because I don't have you know I didn't have forty thousand to go into some no. crazy studio and spend two weeks doing this stuff. I mean, the main tracking for this was one day with the full band, Ooh. and then I spent a good three years doing overdubs and editing and tweaks and all sorts of stuff. Wow. But uh, I had one day with the full band completely together. There was quite a bit of stuff where I had smaller groups together. Mm. But it's yeah, it's quite a project, and that's what happens when you have fifty but, people. <laughs> yeah, but that's it, it's it's amazing that you're even able to bring this together, and for as much as you've been able to put out, and like how you've been just kind of keeping it going, it's pretty. Uh, it's a it's an amazing feat to uh, to keep that shit fucking afloat, man. I can't even keep a fucking a four piece together. <laughs> Believe me, I've had plenty of four pieces go down. <laughs> I, just, I mean. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's definitely true. Like, 
Yeah, the half life of bands is not very long. What um, what what's like the DAW you use, and like what what's your process of mixing and stuff? I mean, other than like sometimes you do a live mixing. First, let's start with like what's the DAW you use in Pro Tools? Pro Tools. Okay, and yeah. then so you're just running through a board into Pro Tools and yeah. Well, for this for this I I had my buddy Steve Langdon come out. Who? Oh yeah, uh, Steve. He mixed uh, Concrete Project's last album, The Rise of Bishop. Shout out to Steve. Steve yes. Actually, you know what? He also recorded. Uh, we released the. Um, I released. I didn't tell the band that I released it, but I released <laughs> it as a podcast. Um, our one of our last shows, which was at um, uh, Winston's. Uh, Steve came out and and recorded us live. Nice. And then he gave us all the tracks. He kind of gave us like a. I don't know, like a just a general mix, and then I ran that through fucking T Rex and called it a day and put it up on fucking yeah that. So that's that's mo. I mean, I have a mobile rig. I can do like tracking up to a. I can do like eighteen channels live, but for this, and I actually like recorded the whole first record. I hired a kid to come, uh, a kid, not a kid anymore, Darren Evans. I hired Darren Evans to come out and like press record and watch levels for me while I was conducting or playing drums. This time around, I was like, F that. I'm just going to conduct and like worry about getting good takes and I don't need to do everything. So I had Steve come out and he put together this 24 track rig and we recorded that whole thing. And then he, I got all the files from him on a hard drive imported them into Pro Tools and spent a bunch of time um, deciding what takes were going to be usable. And then I put all of those into a template. Um, A lot of this stuff goes way beyond. I have 24-track capability, and some of this stuff goes way beyond. So I was doing dub, like, sub-mixes. Oh, shit. So Okay, okay. So you're you're mixing down a certain section and then starting to put the other tracks over that mix down. Just, I'm trying to... Yeah, people who totally. don't know what submixes are. Totally. So, example like that track we just listened to. There's probably six tracks of me playing congas okay. run through like a Tascam four track, so it's a little crunchy yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And clearly, I'm not going to have six individual things, so I just mix that down to a stereo file and import it into the master okay. master yeah. template. Um, so there was a lot of that. I mean, even like you you heard a little bit of the female voices in there, and there's. I think four or six female voices in there and i'm not going to have six of those so i drop those down to mm. a stereo file and mix that in um that's usually my way to go and then uh just putting it all together i mean in general i'm just for this i'm trying to get like a clean sound i'm trying to get it hot and make sure everything's heard yeah. so that's you know a lot of subtractive eqing mm. a little bit of compression here and there mm. um i'm a drummer so of course you're always you know, as an engineer, you always listen to drums too much. <laughs> but I've actually found that I I, kind of, I always take it too far and I don't mix the drums loud enough. Because hmm. I'm always mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm trying to be conscious of that and making sure it's all balanced and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, I go yeah. back and I'm like, God, I wish the drums were louder. Okay, what the fuck? Well, you know, the you, drums you listen to it as a drummer and you're like, I want this to kick yeah, ass. Drums, so, are, drums are fucking... It's is, hard to do to find yeah, that magic balance. Yeah, it's such an anomaly. Just like still. bass... Yeah, like the, those Tokay tracks, you know, mm-hmm. like me and Stuart went back and forth a couple times. Stuart's like, you know, I could use more bass. And I was like, that's funny because I want more drums. <laughs> you know, like everybody's got that different thing. And yeah. finding that nice balance is is a super challenge. Um, just just for uh, subtractive EQing, could you just explain that? I, I, yeah, definitely. I, I, I think I know what you're talking about, but I just want to make sure okay. everyone else does. 
Okay, so you got your three-band EQ and mm-hmm. your car stereo. You got right. your lows, your mids, and your highs. Right. And normally everybody just puts the bass all the way right. up. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So subtractive EQing is taking things out, okay. notching things out. So right, right. rather than like a three-band EQ, maybe you have like a, a four-band EQ or a six-band EQ or something. And uh, maybe a, a Q, which is you can uh, define down where that thing is. Yeah. Anybody watching this? <laughs> it's it's almost 20, like a little $25 triangle bell type Totally. Thing. So you can, you can go through and find and you realize like, okay, right around, you know... Uh, whatever yeah, 200k there's this exactly. tinny shitty sound yeah, totally so subtract that down rather yeah, than boosting the things you want to hear like oh i need more highs i need to take yeah. you know all, i need to boost this boost this and boost this i found mostly especially in this case because there's so many people like taking stuff out taking stuff out ducking stuff down mm. uh makes it a little bit cleaner because it yeah. can just get to be especially you got 24 mics up there you got phase issues you got all these sorts yep. of things taking stuff down getting it out of the way that gets uh that gets things a little clearer for yeah, me yeah I mean, yeah because uh yeah it'll just muddy and it just sounds like you, you're reason. losing you're losing some instruments to just fucking just yeah. the mud and, and it's understandable you're never gonna hear everything that's right. what a live concert's for you know what and even in a live concert i feel like you don't hear everything you hear with your eyes because mm. you're like Cause you're you know, watching the french right. horn player and you're like oh i can understand what she's playing yeah you know or you're watching the guitar player and you're like oh that's how that part fits but uh, if you closed your eyes i don't know if you'd hear that part yeah no i understand that uh you know what really it's gonna sound fucking. It's gonna sound stupid, but what really helped me with mixing and hearing, like being trying to be, because the idea is to be able to hear all the sounds and try to bring those sounds out and to some kind of audible level. 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 I don't know what little is. Uh, uh, it's like a ladle, but but a little. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's much better than a ladle. Uh, and uh, what really helped me was fucking mushrooms. Mushrooms helped me be able to um, to pick apart different sounds. And I'm going to keep coming back to Bitches Brew because that was such a seminal album to me. Yeah. And listening to that tripping balls and being able to like pick apart everything and, and all the fucking crazy images that created in my head. But being able to hear all the instrumentation, like it totally translated to when I started getting into mixing because there's so much going on. Yeah. And I mean, especially like in this, like I'll, I'll be sitting here just listening to, for the smallest sounds. And it really, I attribute to that. And I'm not a great engineer or I'm not a great fucking mixer or master or whatever the fuck. Uh, but I do have a good ear for that, and um, um, it's getting way better all the time. Yeah, but well, uh, and it true, really like, helped me fucking pull that, and, pull and these parts together. Have your brain be able to wrap around all these sounds, and then I, I mean I attribute all of that to fucking mushrooms. And uh, well, uh, and there's a long history. Uh, you know, I've heard this from multiple people that smoking is a great way. And I'm yeah. not talking cigarettes, kids. <laughs> Uh, it, I don't. Yeah, I haven't exactly. smoked since I was a teenager. Mm. But it's funny. Like I've had people kind of give me shit that, like, you know, that's a great way to. Um, the the one trick, and it sounds totally stupid, that I've really found is helpful is just to turn the monitor off. Hmm. What What do you mean? Just turn that computer monitor because you're watching those tracks. You're watching the mm. levels. Oh, okay, okay. Turn that fucking monitor off and huh. just listen to it. Close your eyes. Does it sound good? Wait, how do you listen to it? You're just watching the levels? Just, no, it's just playing through the speakers. Just let it play. Turn the thing off and stop looking at the levels and stop looking oh, at the track. Oh, turn the computer monitor up. Yeah. Dude, I thought no, you were talking the, about not the, the, 
not the speakers. That's not going to help you. Yeah, no, that's not going to help. <laughs> that's another one for me. Um, yeah, turn the turn the the computer monitor off. Um, this is especially true of edits. Like you know, because you do an edit and like you hear it. You know, mm. you always hear it because yeah. you did the edit. But if you turn it off and you're looking at it, you're like, oh, here comes the edit. Oh yeah, I heard that. Yeah. But if you turn it off, you're like, wait, where was the edit? I didn't hear that. Okay, it's good. Or you're like, oh, I heard that. I got to go back and yeah, fix that. There's a crossfade that's wrong or something. So, yeah, I, there's all sorts of these things. Maybe I need to do mushrooms. <laughs> well, I mean, I was wondering, oh. have you ever experimented with that? Because, I mean, the music you're making, I mean, it, it speaks to psychedelics. It's funny. I don't. I, I've done psychedelics a few times, but not usually when making music. Hmm. Well, although, yeah. Okay. Although I did have a very strange experience on psychedelics, where I listened to one of my solo records. Oh, Jesus! Which is like peering into your psyche, yeah, right? Yeah, it was, totally. It was a good thing actually, because it was a few year a few years had passed since I had done this recording, and I could sort of look at it objectively or listen to it objectively. It actually started me thinking about doing another solo recording. I mm. mean, my solo stuff is pretty strange. It's just drums yeah. with, like, electronics, but the electronics are these homemade, like, metal sculptures that are amplified. Oh, that's nice. And there's no beats. There's no, you know, it's all based around these kind of durations of sounds and different things and multiple different layers of things happening. So it's pretty austere music and maybe not the easiest thing to get into if you don't, like, anyways. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I definitely <laughs> remember listening to that and being like, that's really interesting. I could I could see where this could go here and here and here. Well, you know what? It's interesting that you say that because uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week or something, you you did a Facebook post where you're like, how many people actually after you release it and after it's all done, you go back and listen to it? Exactly. And I had to be a smartass, of course, because that's just where I live. <laughs> um, but I, I think that I think that some people thinks it think it's sort of um i don't know like you're up your own ass if you listen to your own music but and uh, you know but, or but on the, it in negative connotation but on the opposite side of it and i because i i have to be honest i spend so much time mixing and, and like yeah i understand that freaking out about this stuff <laughs> that i have a hard time listening to it afterwards but at the same time there's a lot of people who are just like oh i never listen to it i hate my music and i I, I can understand that. I can yeah, understand that. But too. also, if you ha- why do you release it? Yeah, if you fucking hate it. If you hate it. Like, at some point, you know, Mo Stain, or I don't know if you know him. He used uh, to play in uh, Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum. And he chimed okay. in on that thread. And he said, you know what? Like, I, I've got to like I've got to like some part of it to put it out, or yeah. else why would I put it out? And I was like, okay, that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, if yeah. I hate it... I shouldn't put it out, right? Exactly. <laughs> no, it's it's a hard question because I definitely don't like, like I I guess I'm sort of known for putting out a lot of stuff, but I can guarantee you that there is over twice as much stuff that I haven't put out. Mm, yeah. Because exactly. I'm like I'm not the guy that puts out everything. I'm pretty picky. I spend a lot of time making sure it's exactly what I want to do. I really try, and I, I know I'm known for, like, the five-record thing, and I just put <laughs> out another double, and this is, what, like, my 
fourth, third, fourth double CD. Like, I really try and make sure there's no Fiercely filler. Dreaming out May 28th? May 20th. 20th, my bad. May yeah. 20th. Like, I really go out of my way to make sure there's no filler in there. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, and like filler could mean something different on different days. You know, yeah, you listen yeah. to it and you're like, oh, I shouldn't have put that out. <laughs> and I listen to certain things and like, I don't know, I don't know about that. What was I thinking? But in general, I, I feel pretty strongly about the stuff I put out. And like, if I don't feel strongly about it, I just haven't released it. Yeah. Or, you know, it's just up as like... Uh, whatever yeah you know. no and, and i get all those points and and i totally understand <coughs> where you're saying like oh my god i've sat in front of the fucking computer for like you know months just fucking listening to the same fucking asshole track and uh but what what i was trying to get what i was trying to get to in my point which i'm always bad at trying to make points especially Anytime, anytime, anytime <laughs> when I'm trying to make a real point, it always just gets convoluted and then I just sound like an asshole, but that's okay. Um, I feel like there's a real value to listening back to your uh, your music. I totally agree. And kind of touching on what you're saying when you're listening to it on psychedelics, you're like, oh shit, you kind of see the progression of where you're going or the degression or regression. I mean, I mean, because you could suck you could keep you could fall back or just things that didn't didn't uh didn't spark enough interest to make them you know like mm. y y i totally agree because i i when i listen back i i realize like oh that's what put me on that path mm -hmm. yeah and, and it, because it informs... that that was cool when i did it but i realized like i couldn't milk that for another five years right or i couldn't develop there's nothing to be developed on that you know that's like an end of a path but this over here Right. That's interesting. I need to investigate that more. It's totally true. Like, there's a lot to be learned yeah. going back and listening to that. Because then you realize, like, oh, yeah, yeah, that was, that's really interesting. And I, you know, and for me, it's very much like I'm one of those people, not so much this band, this band just everything gets thrown into it. But I try and do bands that are very specific, like we're just doing this. Mm. You know, we're not going to – there's there's a longer list of what we don't do than what we do do. Mm. And that's, I think, true of most of my bands is like pretty specific ideas. Yeah. Okay, I want a tap dancer. <laughs> there's going to be a string section. No tambourines, you know, like <laughs> no horn players. Get those fucking tambourines out of here, motherfucker. <laughs> I think that's actually a pretty general rule in general. No tambourines. <laughs> no tambourines. I love them. I rely on them too heavily. I'll tell you what I rely on is shakers, tambourines, and the organ to fucking like bring I do energy. love the organ. I love the organ. It, it like I and it's almost to a fault. I'll just always be like, man, this needs a little bit more energy. Tamarine, Oregon, baby. Boom! We're, we got a hit. We got a hit. Which they're never hits, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, wait. I got to play something for sure, you. Sure, please do. So, speaking of very specific things, so I have this band with the un undecipherable name called Ogs 11 Translation Has Failed. And <laughs> every record's a little different, but they're very specific. So, uh, we had put out... Uh, a breakup record because everybody needs to write a breakup record and I decided what's the best way to write a breakup record but make it a bossa nova record okay yeah, it's, a, it's beautiful a, right a, a love a heartbreaking bossa nova album breakup in a loving <laughs> lover's way Wait, I think I got some that's a breakup I really want you to call me back <laughs> Have you ever seen that video? Yeah. It's where like Snoop Dogg's dancing for a whale. It's just like, 
there's one where they're doing race cars and <laughs> it shows the race cars going and it's like hey, and it shows the race car like going by real quick I oh just god i haven't it. seen that yeah it's good <sighs> anyways i'm sorry i always get disrupted and distracted by this stupid fucking pad over here because <laughs> anyways let's <sighs> let's hear the track wait what were we talking about we were talking about fuck dude I oh bossa novas yeah yeah lovers and heartbreak okay and so okay well so i put this record out and then i realized like god this is all like lame male like oh you broke my heart <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah, stuff yeah. and i was like I'm going to write a record from a female perspective, which is very questionable, and I apologize to anybody that finds that. I, I realize that's very questionable. <laughs> I'm going to write a record of murder ballads. Ooh, I like it. So we did this. Uh, we, um, we went up, and I decided if it, we were going to do it, we need to do it around a campfire. Mm. Because I had gone to Canada with Rafter oh, and fun. did this campfire festival, and it was... There was all sorts of fucked up, you know, things happening around it. Not so much the festival, but like all these things happened. But I went away going, there is something amazing about sitting around a campfire making music. Yeah. It's so, primal, like something very primal about it. Totally. So we went, I don't know what the best track is. Okay. So we just went up to the Lagunas. Where's that? Like Laguna Beach? No, no, no. Like Laguna Mountains. We went out oh, okay. the eight, went up the Sunrise Highway, pulled off at the little rest stop right by the P- the Pacific Crest Trail, okay. found ourselves a um, a little campfire picnic table thing, made a fire, cooked some wieners, <laughs> and recorded this record. Wait, so you recorded it around the campfire? Yeah, literally. Like you brought out the equipment. And we what's rec- the instrumentation here? Drums. Two, well, remember, we're around a campfire, right. so there's no no electricity. Okay. So we recorded two acoustic basses, two uh, keyboards, one running through a body-powered amp, and the other guy playing melodica and female vocals. Oh. And then we recorded the whole thing to a cassette Walkman. Oh, my God. For uh, this ultimate, is... ultimate lo-fi-ness. Here we go. I love it. You can really hear the lo-fi. What's going on? It's so lo-fi, you can't even hear it. Wait, what's going Genius. on? Genius. Ah. I really want you to call me back. 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 Sorry. I think we're screwed. I can't play. I, that was a pretty big pickup. We're going to edit this in later sure. for the podcast. Sure, yeah. Apologize what? to all the streamers. I don't know <laughs> what's going on. It's not playing. I don't know. That's okay. Uh, well, it looks like... Oh, shit. Somehow... Somehow this dirty hooker became unarmed. Ah... Is that what's going on? I think so. Try it again. Look at this shit. Uh, Fucking technology. Screwing us again. Oh, 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 oh,
Thank you, Flex. Um, well, that was very hippy, but <laughs> awesome and amazing. Like, uh, that melodica solo was fucking hot fire, man. Ed Kornhauser and the melodica solo. Give it up, y'all. Give nice. it up. Give it up. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we ran through everything that I wanted to talk to you about and more. I mean, fucking, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to add? You want, you got any, <sighs> any, any, you got any, uh, Twitter you want to say? You got any, uh, What's been going on? Um, you got any uh, baby mamas that you want to shout out? You want <laughs> My wife might kill me. <laughs> Maybe. But. <laughs> oh, um. Uh, uh, yeah. Can I? Well, can I say May twenty first? May twenty first. So the album Skeleton drops. Key release. May twenty five people at Bread and Salt. May twentieth. The album drops, and then May twenty first, the the, yeah. the release of. The and there's album. pre-orders up right now. If people want discs, if people want the downloads, they're all up. Um, and then, uh, yeah, oh, and then full ages, and then full concert. Uh, with I, I, we got people coming in from L.A., from Phoenix, from Portland. Uh, it should be a good time. We're gonna play most of the record and some older pieces and. Just kind of have a nice thing happening. What, what's Arenda Records? Arenda Records is a, a fairly new. They've been around for a few years. A label in L.A. run by Daniel Rosenboom, uh-huh. who's a, a trumpet player, and he runs a bunch of really cool bands. Actually, uh, did he, he help like fund this, or is he just helping with distribution? Is that- distribution. I nice. think that's true of most uh, most small labels. Is they're helping people get their records out, helping. Uh, uh, with with distribution, with mailing, and different things, and um, and he hooked me up with Aaron, who did the killer artwork, and uh, yeah, so we're working together to put this out. Um, this is definitely not like a major label. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they gave me a fifty thousand uh, dollar <laughs> advance. That, yeah. I wish. Yeah. Well, I, does, I keep that, waiting. I don't even think that exists anymore. I mean, unless you're like really. It does if you're nineteen, yeah, and attractive, 19. and you make <laughs> really naked. boring music. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. That new Bieber album. <laughs> hey, he has a song where it's just a guitar, him, and a trumpet, man. You know, it's the second time you mentioned Bieber. I'm, I'm getting a little worried. No, no, no. I'm no. a little worried. I do like that song. <laughs> <laughs> the truth comes out. Oh, I have no shame in my game. I fucking talk shit about Fetty Wap and his weird eye. I don't care. I like hi-hats and bass. And, you know, I'm fucking, I'm listening to Young Thug. I start listening to it. I was trying to talk shit about Young Thug. And fucking Parker was like, oh, Young Thug's hot. Made me feel all bad about making fun of his freestyle. I tried showing, okay, so I showed this video last time. I tried to, amongst the chaos and drunken delirium. I tried to show this video of Young Thug freestyle. Young thug freestyle, and he's seriously just going, bitch. <laughs> and then, like, fucking 10 measures would go by, and it's a freestyle. And then he'd come back and be like, uh, uh, <laughs> playing ball like Spalding. And, like, I showed it to my wife this morning, and she was just like, I like it. It's not too complicated. No one, you know, he's not trying to be too fancy. It's, it's easy going. Like, Shut the fuck up. So now I'm going to go and I've been listening a little bit of Young Thug and I'm like, fuck, it's like, I like the beats and stuff. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm such a, I'm such a weenus. Uh, <laughs> I, but you know what? I love music. Yeah. And I used to talk shit about the San Diego reggae, uh, reggae scene a lot um, in my younger days when I was drinking and stuff. And the singer songwriter scene. 
<laughs> yeah. But you know, like I would, I talk shit about it, and now like I'm in this band called Skanks Roots Project, and um, this was a side gig for me. Yeah, see, now you can't talk shit about. Well, it yeah, you're part and, of it. and what I realized is like I got pulled into the scene, and like I'm meeting all kinds of nice people. And, like, there are some really good, talented musicians. Of course, with any scene, there's going to be some shit Lame going ass, on. yeah. But there's some really talented people, like, doing some good shit out there. And, you know, I, I was just such a young asshole. And it, well, I think we all were. I, what I, <laughs> I know quite a few people that just totally dogged San Diego. And I, I always question, like, why are you here then? Yeah, Like, exactly. if you don't like anything in San Diego, you should move somewhere. <laughs> like, I understand you don't have to like everything. Yeah. And you don't have to, like, you know, make it out to all these different... And, and honestly, San Diego's pretty divided, you yeah. know? If you're in the freaking, you know, the the whatever scene... We could put a name on it, the rock scene. You know, you don't, like, mix with the whatever scene. But, like, if you're here, let's do some work. Yeah. You know, there's yeah, plenty of good shit. people. There's plenty of good people doing stuff. And, you know who uh, you fucking know. I am just loving right now is fucking the Redwoods music. Yeah, Redwoods are killer. Fuck, All dude. sorts of they, they fucking so are just much good killing stuff. it right now. Like, fucking Al Howard and those fucking dudes. Like, uh, Bertie Bordeaux, uh, Danny Bell fuck dude cardinal moon like he just released a new thing i fucking went to the review oh rebecca jade of course fuck dude she's so soulful i love her um i went to their casbah show and like it sold out i was like man that is some beautiful shit that these guys are able to operate in san diego and they're actually making money and putting it back in and releasing albums releasing vinyl i don't think they're making any money well no i know i know but like they're <laughs> but you're no, right they're you're making right. great music they're, no, they're able to music. keep this totally. going and without fucking without totally just kind of sustaining i'm sure they're pumping money into it but it's like to me that is beautiful that they're able to sell the casbah just on a local band like bands plural which is pretty much the same band but recycled which is amazing too so you know hats off to so uh to those guys and fucking al howard and matt's uh podcast is funny as fuck too i love their shit too check that out uh is there any other local bands that you like really think are killing the scene right now or, or any? i don't know if anybody's really killing the scene there's a ton of bands that i really like i mean in terms of like super or, super really heavy like? stuff uh, well like for super heavy stuff, I love Deep Sea Thunder Beast. Oh shit, I never heard of them, but oh my now God. I now I have to look them up. So it's like like heavy. Oh, I like, wish they would play with speed can, metal. Or could what? you guys play more? You know, they they go from like sort of like a Motorhead kind of oh, thing to like super sludgy, super doomy stoner nice. metal. Nice. Um, if I had to put, I I hate putting labels on that shit, but like yeah, I really like that band. I mean, in terms of the jazz scene, there's all sorts of you got like Matt Smith and yeah, Mac oh Layton and Ed Kornhauser and people like that. There's a whole young crew of yeah, people the, doing great uh, stuff. Box band. There's Those a bunch guys. of older people that have been around. I mean, Lori Bell sounds great. Rob Thorson, like, there's Not a lot of amazing, amazing people out there. Um, oh, there's who a ton did, of he, like he did an he did a record with a, a gal named Steph Steph John. Johnson. Yeah, that and she's is, got a new record coming out. I hopefully. Oh Steph, my god, that, that fucking album is amazing, and I know she doesn't listen to this, but I'd love to have her on. Um, her album oh, did, she did with Rob Thorson. I fucking put my son to that out al- to sleep to that album. Hell yeah! So many times because like I started listening to it right when he was born, and I was at home with him all the time. And 
I would just put that album on and fucking it's just so good. Just like so simple and just so soulful and beautiful. I'm gushing. Yes. Uh, but yeah, man. Steph, you need to come on this podcast. <laughs> you could come on and talk about dicks too. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why I keep on talking about dick. I don't even talk Steph's, about. You can just see Steph shaking her yeah, right head at home right now. Go. I am never going on that <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, I I I gotta give shout out to Esteban Flores too, Monochromacy, who does this pretty amazing drone noise guitar thing. One of my favorite people in town. Um, there's a ton of really cool people. Sam Lopez has been putting on concerts for a long time with Say Strange. You know, there's all sorts of people working around town. I'm forgetting like yeah, I'm 20 just... million people <laughs> that I should be saying. Um, but yeah, like there's plenty of music out there. If you're in San Diego. Go find some stuff you like yeah, and support man. that shit. I mean, hip hop, Parker, Parker, Odessa man. Kane. There's oh my god, so much Odessa. good shit. Yeah, I fucking do deadlifts to Odessa's EP. <laughs> the last two he did, I do fucking deadlifts. Odessa, I gotta get Odessa out here. Odessa, we've yeah, done do. shows with Odessa a couple times. I mean, he's fucking. He's and he's a nice guy, dude. Super humble, dude. Just chill out, dad. You know, just totally. Just saying some real fucking cool ass shit. Yeah, tons of music. San Diego. Yeah, is man. Good. Get out there and be somebody. Go support. Exactly. I'm just now getting back into like going out to shows because I have a two-year-old, which I keep on saying. Uh, everyone who listens to this knows I have a two-year-old because he's constantly pissing and shitting on my floor. But um, <laughs> And I have to tell you about it because that's really important <laughs> that I get that out to um, the public and uh, the strangers. Um yeah, I'm like finally coming out of the fog of of a newborn infant. First kid? First and hopefully only. First oh, and don't last. say that. No, Come on. Why not? Kids why not? Are beautiful. Well, I, no, I mean. No, kids are beautiful. No, no, I do love, thing. You don't, you I don't, love my son. I love well, him. Well, here's the thing. I, I love him. And, and you, I no, like, it's, okay, that's totally true. You get, Yeah, no, totally. Because when you get two, there's totally like. Because I got three. Oh, fuck. And there's like a whole thing with that. And you're doing and, five album releases and shit. Like, two, gotta, you gotta keep busy. May 20th. Um, but no, what the thing is with kids is when, when you have one, if you don't have any, people give you shit. Like, when yeah. are you gonna have kids? And you have one, you're like, oh, when are you gonna have the next? Yeah, and you're kidding. like, hey, I'm just getting used to the first one. Yeah. And then you have two, and you're like, oh, are you done? Uh, what are you yeah. like? <laughs> You're like freaking breeders or something. Yeah, What's going on here? There's no way to win in any situation. So do whatever happens. Oh, yeah. I mean, like we, we uh, I mean, it, it was a pleasant surprise, our son. And fucking he's awesome. And I love him to death. But, you know, we're, we're good. We're good. Like he's a smart little kid. He's, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's awesome. But uh, two just seems like too much. I have my niece over and she's about, she's three. And together they're cool because he's at the age and she's at the age where they can play now and they're kind of keeping each other busy. But then they're also at the age where it's like, he hit me, he fucking hit me. And he'll just be like, fuck you well, and that, throw us something else That at doesn't her. change. I assume that goes well into your 30s. Yeah. <laughs> he hit me, he hit me. He hit me. He's like, I don't give a fuck. I'll do it again, bitch. And that's the look he gives me too. He's like, I don't care. Shit, bitch took my fucking Power Ranger. What you want from me? This is what happens. You know, fucks with my Power Ranger. Give me back my cracker. You bitch. Oh, poor Ari. I love Ari. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's... But I'm finally starting to come out of the fog and actually go out and see music again because it's just yeah. been so long. It's been a couple of years and where I've just been in my little bubble 
And so it's been really nice to get out. And so I'm going to try. So if I bring my two-year-old, are you going to be mad? No. Okay, awesome. My nine-year-old's going to be doing the door. <laughs> nice. I think. She keeps talking about it. We'll see what happens. And that, what, Actually, what, the very, Saturday, know, the very last of those Encinitas ones, I, I don't know. I, I told her not to, but my wife brought my son, and he was... He was like two weeks old. Oh shit! And I literally I played brushes all night because I I was like we're not waking the baby up. <laughs> Don't like, wake we went, up. like every time I'm like you guys need to play quieter. <laughs> <laughs> We'd finish and I was like, how's everybody doing? Is the baby still asleep? Okay, we're good. Let's, Let's keep bring, playing. Let's bring it down just <laughs> a little gonna, bit. It's gonna be a very chill concert. Let's <laughs> get um. Let's uh let's do a picture real quick, just cause we're not gonna play games because uh, there's only two of us and it wouldn't be fair, cause I already know the answer. You would definitely be wearing the Joe mat. I love it. Yeah. So Nathan Hubbard, I feel like we covered a lot, and like this is definitely gonna be one for the Geek Squad. We talked. Definitely Geek Squad. Totally, I fucked up that. God damn it. There we go. That's better. Fuck it. Our, my M Audio fast track. AK was just talking shit, making fun of me in my fast track because of how old that thing is. Um, it's nice. I like that. It's fucking. It's like over ten years old. And yeah, the so funny thing is, is that our first one broke, and then so Caleb who is one of the MCs in the band I play in, he fucking went on eBay and got the same exact <laughs> Just uh, for continuity, wow. I guess. But um, it works, and that's what we're using, so fuck it. Hell yeah. Uh, anyways, one more time. Uh, May 20th, um, Furiously Dreaming out on... Are, are you going to put it on like Spotify and iTunes, or are you going to stay away from that? Uh, it should be up on iTunes. It's up on Bandcamp right now. Bandcamp. So there's all sorts of options. And of course, physical copies are highly recommended. Um, I'm going to definitely make a, a, a good, solid effort to be there. <laughs> I mean, it, you just never know what's going to happen. It's, uh, but this is uh, Saturday, May 21st, 2016 at the Bread and Salt, uh, 1955 Julian Avenue, San Diego, California, 92113. Because you needed to know that. It starts at 8 p.m. It's $10 at the door, all ages. So I'll probably bring my son, and it'll be a family night out. Kids under five for free. Is that true? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Kids yeah. under six for free. <laughs> he's like, kids under... Kids in general. Infants under one <laughs> free. Totally free. The fucking airline... No, see, I'm starting a whole new conversation, oh, and God. I'm trying to fucking end the show. Okay, anyways, fuck Peace the airlines. Out, um well thank you so much uh, again fucking you are awesome and that was a great talk thank you for being a good sport and yeah, um dude. and we didn't even talk about our dicks so that was great good job we did it uh let's see uh fucking write the show at we speak english good at gmail.com be nice um you guys have been being nice lately so fucking uh we'll read some emails next time we just didn't get along get to it so um that's that's it that's the show i really i really yeah, want why not? you to call me back i really want you to call me back okay and i'm never Wait, labeling play it again. i really want you to call me back oh. i really want you to call me back i really want you to call me back oh, <laughs> Here's 
one I didn't get to. I'm gonna make it really loud for you guys. Wow, that's so loud. Oh well, fuck it. I'll fix it, folks. All right, folks, be nice to your fellow man. HJ's for everybody. Nathan Hubbard, killing it on the scene. 50 fucking piece of orchestra, music and stuff. Get yourself some. Yeah.